I feel like we need to kind of have a party next week. Next week is the end of our series in the Gospel of Luke, all right? I don't mean to, I don't mean to be cheering for like, uh, hey, we're getting out of a Bible book, but uh, you know, hey, we're getting out of a Bible book, all right? So we have, we have really uh, uh, gotten into this guy, Luke, because Luke also wrote Acts, and we've been all the way through Acts, and we've been all the way through Luke, and yes, we did them backwards, and no, we do not care, because uh, God said so. And this passage we're on this week, uh, this passage is uh, one of the first five to seven sermons that I ever preached was on this passage, and I have preached and taught and read and quoted this passage. Mm a couple of hundred times at least, okay? So I have to be uh, careful every time that I, I dig into this passage not to get stuck in the awesome nuggets that I already know and find more of what God has for us. But we are gonna key in on a very specific phrase today that I feel like God has for us as individuals, for our community uh, in, at NBC and for our world as a whole, all right? But we're gonna read first, and then we're gonna dig in, all right? We're in chapter 24, starting in verse 13, all right? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lengthy story, and we're gonna, we're gonna get through it. Um, now, that same day, now, this is the same day that the women have gone to the tomb and found it empty, right? Um, in, one, in one book, Mary has gotten a glimpse of, of someone she didn't know who he was until he called her name, right? And then she knew it was her Lord. But as of now, nobody has seen Jesus, all right? So he has risen, but nobody knows yet. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. It's the end of the Passion Week. They're talking about his interests. They're talking about the things that happened in the week, things that happened in the temple, things that happened at Golgotha. They're talking about the crucifixion, all right? They're talking about the, the body. As they talked and discussed these things with one another, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. Something caused them not to be able to identify Jesus. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know everything that has happened in these days. Catch the irony. Hey, Jesus, have you not heard about Jesus? Jesus plays with them. No. What things? He asked. And they say to Jesus, about Jesus of Nazareth. Huh. He was a prophet. Huh. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. You don't say. But we had hoped he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, 
Some of the women went to the tomb and amazed us. They went early this morning and they did not find his body. They came and they told us they had seen a vision of angels who, who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just like the woman said, but they didn't see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all. Listen to me. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. It's incredible. That word all is incredibly important for today. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to enter glory? Isn't this the rest of what Jesus said Jesus was going to do? You've been quoting the things that Jesus was going to do, but isn't this also what Jesus said was going to do? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained the scriptures to them concerning himself. He pulls a sister Fraulein Maria on them. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. As they approached the village to which they were going, as they had a conversation with the Almighty, there came a point in their journey where there was a fork in the road. Huh. They were going to go this way. Jesus was going to go this way. Happens all the time. Put a little check mark right there. But they urged him strongly, um, stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table, Come on, Jesus likes to do things over meals, doesn't he? When he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And I promise you, there's something different about taking the bread and the cup from the guy whose body was broken, whose eyes saw it, when his hands, the broken hands, break the bread and hand it to you. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared. They asked each other, oh, were not our hearts burning? You don't think about it like they had a discussion. Think about it like real people actually talk. They're sitting there. They get the bread and the cup from God himself they realize who's sitting with them. He's gone. Their chins are dropped. Their eyes are wide. They look at each other and look back where he used to be. Look at each other. Look back where he used to be. One of them finally decides to talk and says, were your insides on fire? Yeah. Did your, did your heart feel like it was going to explode? Yeah. Did, did you get those cold chili thingies all over? Yeah. When he spoke scripture to us, come on. When you hear the book from the author, they got up and returned to Jerusalem at once. And they found the 11 saying, it is true. It is true. It is true. It is true. The Lord has risen. Then the two told what had happened and how 
Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Couple of things you need to understand. We know that there were two people. We know that one of them was Cleopas. We have no idea who the other person is. Cleopas and the other man, Cleopas and his wife, Cleopas and another individual, we don't know. We know there were two. But we also know that both of these people have an understanding of the Scriptures. Both of these people were probably in the larger group of followers just outside the disciples. So you've got Jesus, you've got Peter, James, and John who spent a little more time. We're at the, the, the ascension, uh, the transfiguration, things like that, right? Then you've got the 12, right? And they were always with Jesus. And then you've got the crowd of people that was at the Sermon on the Mount, at the feeding of the 5,000, on the lake on the other side after the feeding of the 5,000 to meet him. There were people who were at uh, Peter's home when the guy came down through the roof. These two people knew the disciples disciples by name and knew exactly what Jesus looked like, smelt like, talked like, and walked like. This isn't random bystanders. They knew him. And after the crucifixion, after the, 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 the day of rest, they leave Jerusalem and they're walking to their village and they're just, man, can you believe it? Man, can you, you remember when it got dark? I mean, midnight kind of dark. And the sound, what, that sound when the curtain tore. Do you remember what that felt like on the inside? I mean, I, want, I, I, didn't, I didn't know whether to be shocked or, or scared. And, but man, there's not going to be any more. There's not going to be any more healings. There's not going to be any more uh, 5,000, 20,000 people fed. There's not, what are we going to, I mean, we've been following this guy around for, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. And one of the times they get ready to look at each other and there's another dude standing there. I mean, it was two dudes and then there was three dudes, right? Just Now, my first question is not going to be, um, hey, or, or how are you? Mine's going to be, where'd you come from? Right? Especially since they were, he didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. And the, the, the biggest issue, the biggest question of the whole passage is why? How is it that two people who could have, who could have definitely sat with a sketch artist and, and had them draw a pretty accurate picture of Jesus, right? If they heard Jesus preaching on some audio book, they would know it was Jesus. They know who he is, but they don't know why. Better question. Why are there some hundreds of thousands of people in sanctuaries all across the world right now sitting together, gathered in his presence, talking and walking and singing about Jesus, and most people have no idea he's sitting there? How is it that we can come every week into the church, stand in the presence of God, the Almighty Savior, and leave as if you weren't in the presence of God? I can tell you. because you can't recognize him. Four words. Four words tell us why they didn't recognize him. 
See if you can find them. Are you only a visitor? They didn't know it. Tell me about it, says Jesus. His name was Jesus. He was awesome. The guy could preach. He could teach. Oh, he could pray. He was powerful, but in a way, power never fathomed. He didn't flex. He didn't throw things. He didn't leap tall buildings in a single bound. He was just, yeah. And they didn't like him. They didn't like how nice he was. They didn't like how everybody else loved him. They didn't like him. So they tried him unfairly. They convicted him unfairly. And they crucified him unfairly. And I got to be honest with you, it sucks. Three years we gave to this dude, gone. You know, we had plans, but we had hoped. That trial wasn't supposed to go that way. In fact, the arrest wasn't supposed to go that way. He was supposed to lift those hands, move them forward, and cascade the army down. He was supposed to walk around and say, you want me? You got me. Take me to Herod now. You want a piece? Hand me your scepter. Hand me your crown. I'm cutting taxes. I'm kicking out the liberals and the conservatives. I am making Jerusalem everything it ought to be. Bow before me. We wanted him to be king. Huh. But we had We play an incredibly dangerous spiritual game when we decide what it is Jesus should look like and then draw him that way for everyone else. We good church folk, we love to take a nugget, take a, an item, take a passage, take something that makes us feel good about our faith and plaster it up everywhere. We love to, to take things that aren't in the scripture and say, well, don't, don't, don't do this either. It'll make you better. Don't do this. It'll make you better. And definitely don't do this. It'll make you better. And if you're better, if you're good, gotta love it. Gotta love it. That's exactly what these guys did. 
They followed him around waiting on the opportunity for Jesus to do what they thought Jesus was going to do. Here's the problem. Had Jesus done what Peter, James, John, Cleopas, the other man, and everybody on the seashore those days, if he'd have done what they thought should happen, we'd all be screwed. Sorry, but it's true. Oh, you wanted me to be king of Israel. My bad. Thought I'd be king of heaven and earth. Thanks. Oh, you wanted me to, to raise up to the throne. I thought I'd raise up to glory. Oh, 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 you wanted me to wear a crown of jewels. Nope. I pick a crown of thorns. My way Taxes, your way, taxes go away. My way, sin goes away. Thank God he doesn't do it our way. Now I'm gonna upset some folks. I do not apologize for that. You want your church like you want your Burger King. You want to have it your way. And you won't muscle up. You won't suck it up buttercup. You won't throw your shoulders back and say, love, faithfulness, hope, peace, those things endure because I like praise choruses. I like hymnals. The preacher shouldn't say screwed. And he needs to stop wearing tennis shoes because that's disrespectful. Nobody in your church should drink or smoke or be anything near um, um, buffet loving. Because it depends on what church you go to. Alcohol is good, but gluttony is bad. Gluttony is good, but alcohol is bad. Take your pick. We like to pick. And heaven forbid somebody discipline me. I'm an adult. I give my money. I show up for men's ministry. I cook for the vacation Bible school. Don't you dare tell me how to run my family. Don't you dare call me on looking at another woman. Don't you dare call me on the amount of intake of alcohol I have. You do you. I'm a Jesus lover. You're a sinner. Shut up. You want it your way. You wouldn't recognize Jesus if he walked in the door. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all. You want easy church. Let me come, let me praise, let me give, take care of my babies, give me an hour without them and I'll be fine. But do not get in my face about anger. Do not get in my face about my bad habits. Do not get in my face about how I raise my kids. Then do not stay here. No more pansy church. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all.
all around us, it's happening. Listen to me. But we had hoped God was loving. He is. Well, a loving God wouldn't, and you put in whatever you want there. A loving God wouldn't tell me I can't marry the person that I love. Yeah, he would. A loving God would not discipline. <laughs> yes, he would. A loving God does not, does not protect. Yes, he does. Well, I don't like your God. I don't know who your God is. My God's the God of the Bible, but all the Bible, not the parts you like. When you begin removing pieces of the scripture, you begin removing pieces of the Savior, and pretty soon he's unrecognizable. Do you want to know why people in the world can't see Jesus? Because your Jesus ain't him. I used to put my headphones on. They, they were foam and they had a metal wire. And there was a cord that came out the wrong side and you could never get it right. And it always split into two big pieces. So it's dangling. And you clipped it with a plastic clip that would break. And then you popped it open and stuck a little square thing in it with two holes, cassette tape, yeah, baby. And I would walk to the end of Queensway Drive or whatever it was and down by the creek and onto the golf course and I would put Ed Kilburn on and he would sing me songs to make me feel better, like a place to watch the rain. I used to love it. Y'all missed out not having songs like that. When I feel it all come down, I can't avoid the pain. I look for a friend with some patience to lend and a place to watch the rain. Man, I, I could feel those songs when I was down. I could see Ernest when he goes to camp. <laughs> Everybody knows. Gee, I'm glad it's raining. Come on, you feel that stuff. He sang one called A Different Jesus. Well, I think it must have been A Different Jesus. The one I met when I was just a child. I thought I recognized the name, but the one I know could not have changed that much. Oh, Jesus loves alcoholics. Jesus loves pedophiles. Jesus loves homosexuals. Jesus loves liars and adulterers or adulter hymns. But listen, he condones none of it, period. And the problem is not that Jesus doesn't love. It's that you don't know what love is. Love didn't come down off the cross. It stayed on the cross. Love didn't ascend the throne. It ascended the throne. Love never fails. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. You want to accept it? Get real and repent. That's Bible. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. We are going to be an all church and we will live, but he had hoped. Because everything he hopes for Everything he says is true. There has never 
in the history of all eternity been a word spoken from the mouth of God through his son, through his prophets. There has never been a word spoken that has not come to fruition. And there is more to come. And it will happen just like he says. Well, Craig, that's your truth. No. I claim no truth from me. That's his truth. And if I'm wrong, go there and prove it. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to feel love, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness in a way you can't even imagine. I want it to rise up out of you and drive away the depression, drive away the, the lust, drive away the pride, drive away the bitterness. I want it to come out of you and spring forth like a well of ever flowing water. I want it for you, but the Jesus you're looking for doesn't exist. He's right here. And he comes with a lot. His love is firm. His word is true. And Jesus does save. And he is alive. And I want you to meet him. To walk with him. And talk with him. Along life's narrow. This is why Jesus said, broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Broad is the road that leads to hell. Narrow the road that leads to heaven. Why? Because very few find it, not because they can't see it, but because they would never choose it. It's too hard. It requires me to let go of myself. It requires me to let go of my lust. It requires me to let go of my habits. It requires me to let go of things I like to indulge in. Then choose. Choose this day who you will serve. The king of beers or the king of kings? LeBron the King James in the sporting world? or King Jesus. Everybody picks a king. Most of us pick daily. I want you to pick him. Let's pray. Father, remove the scales from our eyes. Bring your word to life. Challenge us to be more than we imagine we can be and help us to be all that you want us to be. Help us find the joy at the end of the journey. Help us focus on Moses and the scriptures. Help us commune with you so that when we break the bread and drink of the blood, that we understand all that is required, all that is granted, all that your love is. I want that for every child, teen and adult in this room. I want it for me. 
Lord, make me to know your ways. In Jesus' name and amen.